Inside the Castle, the podcast that goes behind castle doors to have real conversations with real people about solving the nation's toughest challenges. I'm one of your hosts for today, Angela Fryermuth. And I'm Aaron Schneider. Today we have two special guests joining us for a Leaders Roundtable. With us today are Major General Graham, Deputy Commanding General for Civil Works and Emergency Operations, and Colonel Clancy, Executive Director for USAID Civil Works Directorate. Thank you both for joining us here today. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Angela. We're, we're both glad to be here. In an earlier podcast, we, we did talk with Colonel Clancy a little bit, but we really didn't get to know much about you, sir. You know, you're relatively new to your current position, as are, are you, General Graham. Uh, and maybe starting with General Graham, could you tell us a little bit about yourself from a personal perspective, maybe where you grew up or anything unique about yourself? Sure. I, I grew up north of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and which is kind of neat because the, the Army sent me back there twice. I was the deputy in the Pittsburgh district, and then I had the great opportunity to go back and also command the Pittsburgh district. So it was, it was going home both times, which was absolutely fantastic. Colonel Clancy? Hi, yeah, so I grew up in a small town in New York City, a place called City Island, which is an island off the coast of the Bronx, so it's pretty unique. It's uh, very much a small town atmosphere because it's an island, but it is part of New York City. And weird similarity, like General Graham, I've been able to be stationed in New York District twice, uh, same exact deal. Like he said, it was fantastic to be able to be stationed at home, reconnect with friends and family that I hadn't seen in many years after traveling all around the world with the Army. That's great that you get to go home and, and even on your tours, spend some time in your hometown. So looking back um, when you started your careers and thinking about where you wanted to be when, when you grew up, did you ever think you would be in the position that you are in today? Okay. Thanks, Angela. I'm not sure anybody in, envisions where their Army career is going to take them. Those folks that kind of come in as second lieutenants who believe they're going to be two-star generals, I kind of worry about those folks. So what you try to do is to do the best job you can with the, the mission you've got and the organization you've got and play it from there. So it was a long answer to a, a short question. Had no idea I'd end up here. Mike, how about you? No, sir. I joke that my career has been like been like Forrest Gump's feather uh, floating through just a strange number of uh, unique circumstances. And uh, you know, I, picking engineering as a major at West Point was kind of a fluke. Branching engineers was kind of a fluke. I never thought I'd be in the Army this long. I thought I'd do my five-year commitment for West Point. Here we are going on uh, over 27 years. It's just been a tremendous experience and the opportunities that the Army has presented have been uh, just a wonderful, wonderful experience. Thanks, Sam. Looking at your journeys from, you know, the, the towns you grew up in and, and through the Army, I'm sure that you've had, you know, mentors throughout the time that have shaped your shaped your viewpoints and into the leaders that you are today um, and some of those role models. And I think, you know, reflecting on your mentors and role models, what are some of the leadership philosophies that they've taught you and, and what advice do you have for leaders within the organization? Yeah, and I'll, I'll start with that and then I'll turn it over to, to Colonel Clancy. The old chief engineers, General Bostic, continues to be one of my mentors. And one of the things that General Bostic demonstrated so well was this philosophy that leaders do the big things and the little things that only that leader can do. And General Bostic was oh so good about 
never forgetting the little things. You know, he 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 was great at sending notes to folks. I, I remember when he was a battalion commander and I served as a company commander under him. He had a phenomenal way of connecting with an individual soldier who was doing the task that they were assigned. And and he would always call out, you know, whoever the young soldier happened to be that just performed their their job so magnificently well. Um, whether that would be on a on a demo range or maintaining a vehicle, he always he always understood that the organization really functioned on how well folks at the lowest level uh, performed their tasks, and he made it a, a point to to remind everybody of that. And I think that that's something we all should emulate. Uh, Mike, how about you? Yes, sir. I've been blessed to have worked for so many great people over the years, phenomenal leaders all throughout. Uh, the one common theme amongst all the people I consider the best leaders is that it was uh, it was never about them, never about their own ego or aggrandizement. It was all about the team. They might have been the boss or the commander. Effectively, they were the head coach. You're only going to win with having a full team, and um, that's something I've always tried to emulate and just build teams and, and keep the workplace wherever it is, no matter how stressful it is, keep it enjoyable to be at in tough situations. I totally agree with that. Thank you. Speaking of teams, you know, teams are built on trust, right? Um, and in this past summer, the Civil Works Leadership had a strategic workshop, and one of the areas uh, that were identified was trust. Um, and knowing that this is an area of improvement, um, what do leaders at all levels of the organization need to do to make sure trust and accountability is part of our culture? And General Graham, we'll go to you. Thanks, Angela. So there's a saying out there is, is that on regarding trust that you gain trust in drips and you lose it in buckets. With that in mind, the, the goal is just to continue to get as many drips of trust, generate as many drips of trust day in and day out that, that you possibly can, and then minimize those instances where uh, you, you might lose trust with folks. The key ingredient on not losing folks' trust is communication, and it's both listening to what folks have to say and then making the time to, to talk to them. Mike? Yes, sir, I couldn't agree more. I think. Uh... Two things that jump out to me as I'm thinking about trust are, uh, you know, keeping it real and being honest. You know, as both a uh, as a leader gaining trust with your subordinates, or say as a district engineer trying to gain trust with your partners, you've just got to be honest with them and you've got to listen to them. Got to be yourself, and then talk it through. Like you said, sir, the communication is key. Sometimes we we can't get what you know the subordinates want or partners want, but we can at least listen to them. And then be honest with them on where and how we see it and what we think we can do and either come to a consensus or at least a happy middle ground. And people see you trying to make the effort to understand them and their concerns. Uh, I think that goes a long way to building trust. Yes, I agree with that. And um, we talked about trust and, and, and just building trust through communication. Colonel Clancy, you talked about trust and external partners definitely fall into that trust category. We work with them day in and day out to get projects done. And so looking outside of the organization, how have you uh, worked to earn the trust of partners that you've worked with? And what are some best practices that you're seeing across the core for maintaining these partnerships? 
So I had the, the tremendous honor of being the New Orleans district engineer for three years, and it's no secret that New Orleans is in a, it's always in a tough spot just with its location. Hurricane Katrina still lingers in the background as well as other floods in past history. City of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana have, have a uh, very unique relationship with the Corps of Engineers. So to build trust, I like I said, I was just always honest, always listened. I was willing to uh, admit when I thought we had made a mistake or there's something the Corps could do better, and I was bluntly honest to them when I thought their ideas were not feasible for whatever reason. We just couldn't get there. And I always tried to engage our critics. There's a lot of people who want to be critical of the Corps who may not necessarily understand what we do or why we did it. Um, so rather than shy away from critics of the Corps down in Louisiana, I was always out to try to meet them and talk to them. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't, but they always saw that uh, I was a real, per a real person, wasn't shy, and that Corps of Engineers was on the ground and we were involved. All right, thanks. And I see uh, Mr. Ali, you've just uh, joined us uh, today, so thanks for stopping by. Um, Mr. Ali is the Director of Civil Works. And Mr. Lee, with you joining the, the podcast here today, I do want to talk a little bit more about the strategic areas of improvement. I, I think this is really an interesting concept, and it, and it seems like more of focus areas than a specific task. In many past plans that the Corps has, it seems like they're very tactical, and, and you have a specific task. But these strategic areas of improvement have a different feel to them. Could you talk a little bit about the importance of strategic areas of improvement and the concept driving this? Sure, Aaron, thanks. Uh, you know, one, one of the key things, I uh, had an experience where I did a year-long fellowship with uh, Caterpillar in Peoria, Illinois, in their corporate headquarters. And, and one of the things I was impressed with, with their organization is uh, how, how focused they were as an enterprise on certain things. And they, they had two aspects. They had critical success factors that drove their enterprise in strategic areas of improvement. You know, it wasn't a laundry list of a bunch of things that somebody wanted done. It was truly uh, connected to uh, what, what I refer to data, data informing decisions. So if, if it was about velocity, which was one of their critical success factors, uh, that, that went through their entire enterprise from their suppliers that might provide the materials for production, manufacture of a piece of equipment, how that piece of equipment went through their supply chain, through their dealer network, and then how it went to their customer for utilization and servicing and all the things that happened over the life cycle of that from concept kind of cradle to grave. And so the way I look at the strategic areas of importance or improvements is really these are the key areas that the enterprise needs to focus on in order to, to get to the next level. And, and, you know, we've got the chiefs of four priorities. Uh, I believe that our strategic areas of improvement that we identified in our revolutionized effort aligns with those priorities. And I think it helps us focus on what we need to do to get to the next step. So that's kind of the framework of, uh, of how I see them and how I see them being integrated into what we do as we go forward. 
the strategic areas of improvement are a relatively new concept that we've incorporated into the way we're doing business. Um, the strategic areas are part of the revolutionized effort. And I'd, I'd like you all to talk a little bit more about this effort and, you know, what the staff can be doing at all levels of the organization to make sure that we're uh, driving revolutionary change. So, General Graham, we'll start with you. Thanks, Angela. What, what I'd ask everybody to do, no matter where you're working, you're in the district level, up at the divisions, or here in headquarters, it's within this giant enterprise known as the Corps of Engineers and, and the, the piece that you work in, what, what needs to change so that we can deliver better for the, for the citizens and the warfighters out there? That to me is the, the key for this effort on revolutionize the Corps. It's not just a bunch of edicts coming up from the good idea of people up here at headquarters. It's a, it's a philosophy that we need to critically look at our organization, assess it, and then actively change those things that we think need to change, either to perform better today, to deliver the program better today, or to get ready for a, a tomorrow that might be different than what we're experiencing today. Colonel Clancy, any thoughts from you on that? So I agree fully with General Graham. I, mean, I think the revolution is fundamentally about changing our culture and changing our mindset. Uh, you know, civil works in particular, it's just hard. If you stack up every bit of legislation, be it River and Harbor Acts, Flood Control Acts, Water Resource Development Acts, and then throw on top all the environmental laws, we are boxed in in a lot of different ways. We can't control that. Not much we can do about that. We have to operate within those parameters, but there is plenty that we can control, our own internal processes, our own attitudes even, that uh, we need to relook at, and that's what General Seminite and now General Spellman have been pushing, and that's really what the revolution's all about, is let's think about this differently going forward, try to revise and improve the way we execute Civil Works mission, and everyone has a role, just like General Graham says, not just about headquarters, everybody on down to uh, project leaders and lockmasters, everybody has a good idea based on where they sit. We need everybody to contribute their good ideas and to help execute the revolution. And so you know, I want to have this opportunity for you to share your insight on the revolutionized effort. Yeah, thanks, Angie. You know, I think the key thing in the revolutionized effort in, in the Corps uh, gets back to what General Graham talked a little bit about, is getting it uh, down throughout the organization, uh, all the way from the top to the bottom. It, it's not, you know, any revolution is typically a grassroots revolution if it's going to be sustained. And so it, it's, it's really good that we uh, have the construct that we have. I think what we're, what I'm really trying to do is, is drive it all the way down uh, so that we have engagements at all levels of the organization, that people can see themselves in, in the revolution and identify things that they, they want to improve and, and to revolutionize. Uh, you know, I think the key thing that, you know, John Simnite used to talk about being world-class. Uh, General Spellman is talking about winning. And, and I think it is important for us to understand what winning looks like. And for the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, winning looks like finishing uh, quality projects on time and within budget. And, and that, that's what we have got to get people focused on. 
is focused on winning. And, you know, everybody wants to be a winner. And so I think uh, if we can get the culture adjusted and the behaviors changed to focus on winning, uh, you know, this all kind of comes together. And I think that's part of the revolutionized, uh, the, the beauty of the revolutionized effort is that we've got a independent kind of cell embedded in the headquarters that, that reaches across to senior leaders in both the ASA's office and in the Civil Works Director in the headquarters and runs that without interference between uh, different levels and bureaucracy in the organization. So I think it's effective uh, the way it's set up and, and the way it's operating. And I think we just need to keep that going. The communication aspect is very critical, ensuring that we're effectively communicating. I think uh, what we're doing in the stakeholder outreach part is very good because we're capturing what they're telling us. We're, we're actually making notes of that, sharing those notes with the individuals, and we're, then we're doing follow-up to kind of keep them updated as we go along. I think all of those are essential elements of, of what we're trying to accomplish in the revolutionized civil works effort. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Lee. That, that's good. And, and I think, you know, one thing with all these changes in leadership we've had across the organization, both on the military side and the, the civilian side, um, there were a lot of questions like, will the revolutionized effort continue? And I, and I think undoubtedly, yes, it will continue, and, and it's an important effort. And it's good to see the, the commitment we have from all of the leadership here to, to keep driving that, that revolutionary change and, and really, like you said, focusing on the lower the lowest levels of the organization and make it the whole organization own this to get everybody on board. And you talked about winning, and, you know, it makes me kind of wonder, like, from the revolutionized efforts, you know, I'll ask all three of you this, but really what is it that excites you the most about the effort? And is there one specific effort that you're more most passionate about? And, and Mr. Lee, maybe you can go first. I think one of the things I get excited about is, is that the Assistant Secretary of the Army for Civil Works is excited about it. So he, he participates in it. He doesn't have to be drug into it. I mean, it, 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 when it permeates the leadership of the ASA's office and the core, and you get the level of engagement that you do, I mean, you can just look at the normal meetings we have with the SESs showing up at the meetings and engaging in the meetings. I mean, they continuously do that. that that's impressive in itself. Uh, our executives have a lot on their plates, and, and they're they're involved in a lot of different things that that de places demands on their time. So I, I'm just encouraged to see the leader engagement at all levels of the organization. I mean, I, I did an engagement with LRD as part of their regional uh, governance meeting, and and did a presentation to them on on some work that we did down in New Orleans that was pretty revolutionary at the time. I got a lot of good feedback from them and, you know, just talking about the cultural part of this revolution. How do you get people excited? How do you engage people? How do you communicate? And so I thought it was a really good session. Uh, I continue to see that in a lot of the different outreach that we're doing as, as part of the revolutionized civil works effort. So I think it's, uh, that, that's what makes me excited about it. Thanks. General Graham, what's, uh, what do you find the most exciting about uh, the revolutionized civil works effort? Yeah, thanks, Aaron. What comes first and foremost to my mind is the fact that we're listening to, to everybody and that it's not a 
headquarters driven, here's these three things that we need you to do. Um, it's empowering. And because everybody wants to do well, it's why they signed up to be part of this great organization. They believe in the mission of the Corps of Engineers. That's why they're here. When you, you hand out as a district commander 20-year service pins, 30-year service pins, even 40-year service pins, folks don't stay in an organization for that length of time unless they, they truly believe in the mission of the, the organization. And so empowering those folks to make the changes that they see, uh, that's powerful and just a delight to be a part of that. Thanks, sir. Uh, Colonel Clancy, what excites you? So I like the winning idea. You know, that's coming to us from General McConville, the Chief of Staff of the Army, because the Army's mission is to fight and win our nation's war. For the Corps, we're not fighting a war, at least in the Civil Works program per se, but um, I still like the idea of winning, and winning occurs at the district level. Winning is breaking ground on a project, cutting a ribbon to complete a project, keeping that lock open and operating, issuing the permits and issuing them on time. Yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can win, um, and it's fun to win, and it's fun to be on a winning team that, that has a winning culture. So now that I'm here at headquarters, I, I just enjoy seeing the, the Revolution team working to try to make life better and easier and enable districts to win and everything we can do to help the districts helps all of us and makes the Corps of Engineers better because that's really where everything we do and everything we think about and talk about here at headquarters and in the Assistant Secretary of the Army Civil Works Office, it's uh, going to be executed at the end of the day at the districts, and that's where we have to win. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, obviously the, the revolution as efforts is extremely important. Um, the, the change that we've seen and um, just the feeling within the organization is definitely something that I'm optimistic about. But, you know, wanted to switch gears a little bit here, um, moving more towards the civil and rest of the summer, um, taking care of our staff. And, you know, we, we've had a lot of challenges this year with COVID, civil unrest, um, some other, you know, challenges out there. You know, our, our staff is definitely, you know, feeling the burdens. And one of the questions we want to ask you is, you know, how do you take care of your staff during this time? And, and what would your advice be to leaders in dealing with these challenges? And so, General Graham, if you could go first. Thanks, Aaron. So these are challenging times as you laid out. And the actions we've got to take are kind of working at cross purposes with each other. As you spoke to challenges among society with not treating each other with dignity and respect, the solution to that is to, to draw folks closer, to, to connect better with them, to understand folks that are that are different than than you are. And that is being kind of opposed by this pandemic, which is to, to fight it until a vaccine comes out, the best technique is to keep us apart, like we're having this discussion right now, separated by great distances. And so it, our challenge for, for all leaders throughout the Corps is to figure out how to connect folks as well as we possibly can given the restrictions that I can't bring you necessarily in into one room. So it's fully leveraging some of these digital tools 
And probably the most powerful one is just being able to reach out and connect with somebody visually. We do an amazing job, I think, in the core of, of taking care of each other. And from what I've seen on our COVID response, we're, we're continuing to do that. My hat's off to, to all, particularly the first-line supervisors out there that have magnificently continued to get the mission accomplished to deliver this vast and critically important program while at the same time we're, we're taking care of each other. Colonel Clancy? Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, I think it's back to your trust question. You know, we've got to continue to build trust and Thanks. And Mr. Lee? Yeah, I'll just hit on a couple things. One one is that early on in, in the COVID response, uh, one, one of the things that I was clearly focused on was how we were going to execute continuity of operations. I think uh, the Corps did a great job in assessing what, what, what that strategic infrastructure is across the nation, uh, defining it in numbers uh, by people, location, risk, and then reaching out to Congress and telling them that we needed some additional capability to help us uh, be safe, you know, to protect our workforce that continues to work during the pandemic. And, and Congress responded, we, we received appropriations in the CARES Act, 20 million for our headquarters at the, at the DC and MSC levels, and also 50 million for our operations and maintenance uh, teams that are all across the enterprise that are continuing to operate our, our critical infrastructure day in and day out. And I think that, that part of it was the biggest challenge that I saw that, you know, over time, we, we had to make sure that we had our teams or, you know, the right procedures, protocols in place to continue to execute our programs. And, and I think we've done a fantastic job in, in doing that across the board. And, and I think it does help build trust. I think it does get the trust that uh, you, you can just look at the engagement that we're having virtually across uh, the, the directorate and the enterprise that people are engaged. Uh, the work is being accomplished. You know, there, there are some benefits that have came out of this that we've heard back from the surveys that we did on telework. Uh, that, you know, people are able to balance uh, their, their life and family time better. Uh, they're, they're not stuck in long commutes, uh, daily commutes uh, that they were before the pandemic. And I think so there, there has been some rebalancing and rethinking about how we're operating in, the, in this uh, virtual environment. I mean, there's definitely some things that we're not able to do face-to-face. But I think the visualization that some of the collaboration tools allow us to uh, operate has helped us to uh, maximize the use of those. And I think they have made us pretty effective in what we're doing. So I, I see that as a very good positive from, from my perspective over. I think that the key here for everything we've heard about today is, you know, with trust, you have to have good communications, obviously, with the COVID environment and work, a lot of virtual work, communications is important with the civil unrest and challenges that we've seen as a society, communication is important. So I think it's really a good point just for all of our leaders at all levels to remember that um, we need to communicate with our staff and we need to have those conversations 
whether they're easy or hard, and, and you know, take that step and have the courage to engage with your staff and talk about some of these challenges that we're all facing because we're all people, uh, we all have feelings, um, and, and really showing that empathy as leaders um, can go a long way to help build that trust. Um, so I just think that that's something that we should be doing at all levels. We are approaching uh, the end of our time together, and the purpose of today's episode was to get to know you um, and understand your leadership priorities and your thoughts on strategic areas. And as we wrap up today, I want to toss it to all of you for any closing uh, thoughts that you might have, um, any advice that you would like to share with our staff or our external partners. So, uh, General Graham, I will go to you first. So thank you. First and foremost, just want to say thanks to everybody out there. As we just discussed on this COVID discussion, the amazing way that all of you reacted and adjusted to this new normal and continued to, to, to deliver for the, the American people. It, it's been amazing to watch. When the pandemic first hit, I was out at, at Joint Base Lewis-McChord, and I was able to watch what the the Corps did with standing up the alternate care facilities uh, in the midst of this pandemic, you, you all continued to deliver and you gave hope to the American people that there was somebody that has their back. And that's what the, the Corps of Engineers has, has always done. So first and foremost, just wanna say thanks to everybody out there for the amazing job um, that they've done to date. We talked on the revolution that we can't be afraid to change how we're doing things. One of the things that holds us up is that if we're in a position for a long time, many of the ways that the organization operates, the person who's been in that spot for a long time, they've put in many of those processes. So to keep the organization nimble, keep a revolution going, use those terms, the Corps of Engineers has a built-in mechanism to do that. And that's the fact that we rotate all the military leaders on a two to four, three year cycle in case of the chief, a four year cycle. And so that we kind of built in to a, how, how we're organized a structure. And that's a, and it's an amazing construct because we've got the continuity that our amazing civilian workforce provides. And then we got a fresh look every, every few years with uh, the new military leader coming in. And we're going through that right now with General Spellman taking over as, as the chief. One way to, to frame uh, what his priorities are is to look at there's, there's things that an organization does right now, there's things that it, it needs to do to prepare for tomorrow, and there's things that it always does. So of his, his four focus areas, things we gotta do today, we gotta, we gotta be ready. As Mr. Lee said, we gotta win. We gotta deliver the program. Things that we need to do for a different tomorrow, that's the revolutionized initiatives that we're asking everybody to take ownership of throughout this organization. And then the things that we, we do always, those are best characterized with General Spellman's people and partnerships. And that's basically, we're looking internally to the organization. We, we wanna make sure we're taking care of our folks, treating them with dignity and respect, listening to them, and then we're affording the same courtesy to those folks external to the organization that are integral to what we do. Colonel Clancy, any final thoughts? Sure, so my final thoughts, are, well, I'll leave it at this. I'm coming up on uh, 100 days in my new job as the Civil Works Executive uh, Director. 
my first time in headquarters, so I'm, I'm still kind of learning how things work here, but it, it has been rewarding for me to see the full spectrum of civil works. I've experienced various bits and pieces at district level before, but um, see the full gamut, it's uh, it's quite a, quite a mission that we have in the civil works directorate uh, and on down through the divisions and districts executing. I'll just throw out that uh, my phone and email are always open uh, for the districts you know, off the record, you got a friend, a colonel here in the office. I never leveraged this position when I was at the district level. I wish I had. So, uh, anyone needs anything from headquarters, please, you know how to find me. Thank you, sir. And Mr. Lee, any final thoughts? Yeah, first of all, I just want to thank for this opportunity to share time with our team. Uh, I think this has been a very valuable session for me. And, uh, you know, what, what I just want to say, restate, is that I just want to thank everyone on our team for continuing to deliver uh, during this pandemic. I, I mean, the things that have been accomplished uh, since March are pretty amazing uh, across the board. I mean, we've had multiple hurricanes, tropical storm uh, responses that have uh, have really been superb. A lot of, a lot of communication and coordination and I just see that effort, you know, to the number of chiefs reports that we got across the finish line for the for the past FYs, pretty remarkable. Uh, if you look at the execution of our program, I think we did very well considering the environment we were in and some of the impacts to our non-federal sponsors and and really, quite frankly, our contractors and others. But we continue to work through that. The message I, I kind of like to leave with you is. General Spellman, when he talked about his uh, vision priorities and the campaign plan, uh, he, he talked about the, the visual of the castle. And so you may know or may not know that he has modified how the castle looks on, on the graphic. And if you just visualize this, that uh, it's still got the foundation just like it did when General Seminat was here, but the castle itself has changed. Open windows. It uh, it has a drawbridge on it, and I think what the message of that is is that we're we're open for business. We're we're open to uh, new ideas. We're open for engagement. We're open for transparent thought and feedback. And so I think that that's the message I would like to leave with everyone. That uh, you know I think in in this transition that we've remained open. And I think that sends a very strong message to internally to our own workforce and externally to our partners that we're we're trying to serve and work with. So, so I, I just encourage everyone to uh, continue the great work. Thank you, General Graham and Mr. Lee and Colonel Clancy for joining us today for this edition of Inside the Castle. We appreciate you and your insight. And to our listeners, we want to hear from you. What topics do you want to hear? And what people are you interested in hearing from? Until next time, be safe, be innovative, and be revolutionary. To provide your feedback, email us at cw.infrastructure.team at usace.army.mil. Stay tuned for additional Inside the Castle podcasts as we explore life inside the core and revolutionize civil works together.